Praise. Praise as a weapon of war. It's, like I said, it's a little bit, you look at it and you think it's easy, but it's a little bit a difficult weapon to obtain. Because every day you find that situation arises that makes it difficult for you to praise God. Almost every day. So that's why I say it's a very, it's a little bit of a difficult weapon, but we think we have it. And sometimes when we come to church and we are talking about praises, almost everybody is involved. But the point is, at what level is this praise coming out? That's from which aspect of your being is this praise coming out? You probably could be singing because everybody is singing. You sing it because we are asked to sing. And why you are those singing, but your heart is not there. Amen. Okay, so we're going to be considering our praise as a weapon of war, like I said. First of all, let's turn to Psalm 150, verse number 2. Psalm 150, verse number 2. Psalm 150, 150, verse number 2. The Bible says, praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Now, now I want you to see this. You're praising him for his mighty act. You're praising him for his excellent greatness. Now, that is why it says a little bit difficult. Will you still imagine if, for instance, God have not performed any miracle for you now, and yet you still want to praise God? Amen. At what level of cognition do you come into to say God is excellent in greatness, then you want to praise him? Only when we feel he has done some things for us that are miraculous or beyond the ordinary. Amen? Okay, but let's see how praise works. So now the question is, why do we praise God? What's the reason can we give for praising God? Let's first of all start from the book of Revelation 19, verse 5. Why do we praise God? In Revelation 19, verse 5, the word says, And a voice came out of the throne, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. Praise ye. Scripture says, God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. So, verse 4 is addressing who should praise God. It has to do with the servant of the Lord. It has to do with those who fear God. Now, if you look at that, you begin to see that it is a commandment that we praise God who are his servants. And who fear him. So one of the things that indicates that we are God's servants is as we praise him. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay. If you look at Second Chronicles 29, this one to me is very important. Second Chronicles 29, we look at 23 to 31, fairly 
long reading, but I think we need to read it because to me, it means a lot to me. So in Second Chronicles 29, if we look at 21 to, I mean 23 to 31, the Bible says, And they brought forth the he goats for the sin offering before the king at the congregation, and they laid their hands upon them. And the priests killed them, and they made a reconciliation with their blood upon the altar to make atonement for all Israel. For the king with their blood upon the no, for the king commanded that the amount, the burnt offering and the sin offering should be made for all Israel. And he said, The Levites and the house of the Lord with cymbals, with substra and with harps, according to the commandment of, of David, and of the Lord by his prophets. Amen. Verse 26, and the Levites stood with the instrument of David and the priest with the trumpets. And Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offering upon the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began also with the trumpet and with the instruments ordained by David, king of Israel. And all the congregation worshipped, and the singer sang, and the trumpet sounded, and all this, all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had made an end of offering, the king and all that were present with him bowed themselves and worshipped. Moreover, Hezekiah, the king and the, and the princess commanded the Levite to sing praises unto the Lord with the words of David and Asaph the seer. And they sang praises with gladness and they bowed their heads and worshipped. Then Hezekiah answered and said, Now you have consecrated yourself. I want you to know that. Unto the Lord, come near and bring sacrifices and thanks offering unto the house of the Lord. And a congregation brought in sacrifices and thanks offering, and as many as were free heart burnt offerings. Amen. Now, the, the thing you're going to notice from this is okay, let me just read the scripture, then I explain. But I want you to know that because it's very important to me. But what, what you probably notice here, in case you need to write it down, is Praise is a cleansing process to enter into the presence of God. Amen? Praise is a cleansing process that ushers us in into the presence of God. Those who know how to praise God, how to worship God, it guarantees an access into his presence. So essentially, in fact, if we can learn the act of worship or the act of praise before offering prayers, it's very, very, very ideal. Amen? Are you following what I'm talking about here? It opens the door for you to have access into God's presence because later you're going to find that. I will read that in subsequent teaching, maybe tomorrow or I mean next week. But the fact that the Bible says God inhabits the praise of his people. Have you read that? Good. So, in other words, to open the gate, to open the entrance, to bring God and man into a kind of union for you to begin to speak to him about your need, you can approach him to praise. And it's like a door is open for you to go in and talk with him. Hallelujah. Did you find that there? We're saying, why do we praise God? So praise is not just part of just a religious worship. 
you see it as a cleansing process, as a medium that ushers you in to the presence of God to talk to him. So you can't just rush talking to him, if you will, until you really get his attention. And one of the ways by which you get his attention is to praise him. Amen? Now, what I say is a difficult thing because, you see, sometimes you, you have issues that are so biting, excruciating, you're getting mad sometimes when at God. You can't be thinking of praising him. You want to talk to him. You want to complain to him. And how many of you can praise God and complain at the same time? I don't think you can walk. Hallelujah. Are you getting what I'm saying here? All right. Okay, so praise is very vital. It ushers you into God's presence. It opens the door, brings you into a relationship. Let's take another scripture. Um, perhaps I'll look at the book of Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17. I'm looking at 24. And it shall come to pass, Jeremiah 17, 24, it shall come to pass, if you will diligently hearken unto me, see the Lord, to bring in nobody through the gates of this city on the Sabbath day, but I'll hallow the Sabbath day to do no work therein, Then shall there enter into the gates of the city kings and princes sitting upon the throne of David, riding in chariots and horses. They and their princes, the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and this city shall remain forever. And it shall come from the cities of Judah and from the places about Jerusalem and from the land of Benjamin and from the plain and from the mountains and from the south, bringing burnt offering and sacrifices, meat offering and incense and bringing sacrifices of what? Praise unto the house of the Lord. I want you to see how praise is connected to our sacrifices. How praise is connected to our sacrifices. Amen? Are you following what I'm saying here? Take another scripture. Psalm 149, verse 6 to 9. Psalm 149, verse 6 to 9. The Bible says, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heaven and punishment upon the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all his saints, praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. So apart from the fact that praise is a commandment, I'm saying praise is a cleansing process that ushers us in into the presence of God. But above all, like we find in Psalm 149, it's an instrument of war. And that is what you find in 2 Chronicles 20, if you read in 15 to 25, which has to do with the war of Jehoshaphat. He executed. How I many of you remember this, the subject I, I, I spoke about a few weeks ago on God's holy war? 
You remember that? Okay. So that's exactly what we're saying. Psalm 149 is saying, let the saints who are coming in have praise and the two-edged sword in one hand to execute judgment. How are you going to do that? What did the two-edged sword? The word of God. So what goes with the word of God? Praise. So if you have the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit, don't forget, and you match it together with praise, you'll be able to execute judgment upon those who need to be executed or to who are supposed to receive judgment. Remember what he said. Um, he said, this honor have all his saints praise the Lord. Meaning, the saints of God have the honor to execute judgment upon those who ought to receive it. But the instrument with which they can do that is praise and two-edged sword. That is why reading the word alone is not also sufficient or praising alone is not also sufficient. Now watch this. We find local assembly who specializes in praise, no word. And we have the one that also specializes in the word, no praise. But the honor of the saints is made up in what? Praise and two-edged sword, which is the word and praise. Are you getting this? Hallelujah. By implication, if you combine praise and the word, you're walking into the place of honor. The real glory or the honor in you is manifested when you combine praise and the word. And this praise we are talking about is not just singing because somebody is singing. I'll make you see it later. I dare to do you next week. We're talking of a prayer of the praise that comes from the depth of your heart. And it's not to, I mean, it has nothing to do with whether God has favored you or not. Whether God has done a miracle or not, no. Because you don't read the word only because you got a miracle. Neither do you study the word only because God has just done something on your behalf. You praise irrespective of the situation. Because you still read the word irrespective of situation. Now, thank you, Lord. Now, get it this way. Sometimes when situation happens, you want to find a reference from the word to strengthen you. Am I correct? Good. It's the same thing. So when situations are around, sometimes in the midst of those situations, you praise God and you find strength from the presence of the Lord. That's why I said it's one of the hardest weapons that we can acquire. But it's also most potent in executing judgment against that which seems to be an enemy. And when I talk about enemy, I'm not talking about people. You should understand what I mean. If you go back to the beginning of the study, I mentioned a few enemies to you that you can execute. Remember that? Come on, I will see you together. Have you forgotten so soon? All right. I told you of some of the things that you can fight against, depression, oppression, doubt, unbelief. Those are enemies that are warring against your faith. Can you remember that? We, we discussed that over there. These are enemies that are warring against your faith. I'm saying praise can enable you execute judgment upon such spirits that are come to attack your faith for you to lose mind as to who God really is. So, for you to be honored or successfully stand at the place that you are supposed to be, you need the two weapons of praise and what? 
two-edged sword. Am I making sense? Hallelujah. Okay. Right. Let's go down a little bit. Turn with me to Psalm 107, verse number 20. Psalm 107. Are we there? Psalm 107, verse 20, down to 22, the Bible says, He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that man will praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Lend a sacrifice, a sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works with what? With rejoicing. Okay. Go down again to Psalm 106. Psalm 106, verse 6 and 7. We have seen with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers on earth know their wonders in Egypt. They remember not the multitude of their mercies, but provoke him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Now, if you take the two scriptures, you see what I'm trying to say. The first one, the Bible says, let's praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works. Is that okay? Now, but here was the same group of people that got delivered and when they come to the Red Sea, they forgot. Even in the wilderness, what God have just done from bringing them out of Egypt. It's all the same with every one of us. Now, the question is, uh, the, the point is, they could not retain the praise that was supposed to be in their mouth. You know, when they crossed the Red Sea, Moses sang, Miriam sang. Remember that? Hey, come on, are we together? Yeah, they sang because the Red Sea dried up. But when they came very close to other situations that doesn't seem pleasant before them, they easily forgot. And David is saying, our father has seen and we also have seen. What is he seen here? We have forgotten the goodness of God so soon. Now we can praise him because there is a calamity. Are you there with me? That's why I said, I keep on repeating, it's one of the hardest tools of our warfare. That we can easy, we can acquire. It's not gonna, it's not easy to acquire. Because you see this example here, I'm just trying to give to you. They have just been delivered from the Red Sea. Oh, that was a moment of rejoicing. But they came into a situation and they forgot so soon what God had done. And David realized and said, No, man, we can do this to God. And said, Our father sinned, we too have also sinned. What does that mean? We can't just remember. Again, to thank you, to praise him. Just because situation is now bad. You've forgotten who he had been to you yesterday. That's the problem. You forgot so easily. Are you getting what I'm talking about now? Man easily forget God's acts. The wondrous thing God has done, we easily forget when situation just begin to arise. But what God requires is that the situation arising, we are supposed to be praising him in the midst of situation and that we conquer the situation because we are praised and the word as our honor. You together? So when situation is arising, what you need is praise and what? The two ideas, which is the word. 
As you are praising, God is reminding you of the things you know. That's why we say study the world. You think it's a joke. It's not a joke. You need the world as a gain situation that will come. Because let me tell you, as long as a human being, Job said, there will always be issues. That a Christian does not exclude you from issues. As long as you are a human being. Job will say, who knows the son of man that is born on the earth huh? and born into trouble. And that's true. As long as you are in the flesh, there will always be issues. Now the only thing that can enable you to maintain your, your focus with God is the two-edged sword and what? Praise. Other things you may use to defend, I know that I've been discussing before, but these are the ones you're going to really apply if you want to get the victory. Praise and the word. So when we say study the word, we are not playing. That's the only thing that can sustain you. That's the only thing that can keep you in the midst of trouble. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay. Let me ask another question. I like to ask and answer at the same time. When are you supposed to praise God? When are we or you supposed to praise God, if you will? When? At what time? Let's get to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13. Now look at verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. When are we supposed to? When? Come on, are we, are we together? Did you get a passage? When? Continually. I mean, I want you to think about that. Is it possible? Huh? Continually. It's not, it's not indicating whether something is good or bad. It doesn't. Praise to God have no, no measurement as to whether things are right or wrong. Let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Now, take it back and you find that. Thank you, Father. You go back to Chronicles, we're trying to read. Second Chronicles 29, you find that praise was going side by side with the sacrifice of the burnt offering, which has to do with atonement, which has to do with the union of the people to God that their sins might be forgiven. Are you getting that? Good. So, sacrifice of praise to God has to be continuous. It's just like saying, you know, there is this teaching that says we keep on repenting. Just like uh, in the early times, the Hebrew chapter 9, the high priest will continuously offer sacrifice. Remember that? Good. Just like I said, the cleansing process. So when you're offering praise continually, it's a cleansing process to approach God. Therefore, you don't have a time for it. It's a continuous thing anytime you really want to approach God. Because it's a cleansing process. Hallelujah. Okay. So know that it's a continuous process. It's not just only when we're in church or when something good. Come and join me to praise the Lord. 
Come and join me, sing hallelujah, because something happened, because God performed a miracle. But after that, you won't divide the people again. No. Okay. Psalm 34. Psalm 34. I'm looking at verse 1 to 4. And I'm going to give you one of the reasons why David wrote this psalm. Psalm 34, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. Mark that in your Bible if you have one. His praise shall continually. Mark that also if you can agree with Paul and David now. Be in my mouth. For my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. I saw the Lord and he heard me. And deliver me from all my fears. Now let me explain this a little bit. Now how many times did David say he will bless the Lord? Huh? All times. All. Not sometimes. Now that's why I said, I remember some years back, something happened to me. I lost a baby. And people came to the house. And accidentally, when I was praying before the baby passed out, I saw in a vision, I was praying and I saw in a vision, I saw that the baby was crossing a river and she turned around, looked at me, and was just waving and smiling. And I knew the baby was going to go. Then people came and, and they were kind of, finally when the baby passed on, they were kind of coming to more with me, as it were. But in the midst of my sitting down, the Lord gave me a scripture from the book of First Thessalonians. Talking about giving thanks always unto the Lord. And I just quickly picked the Bible and I find that that's exactly what God was trying to tell me. Somehow, I became cheerful. And people were wondering why. But I made to understand this is what the Lord has just spoken to me. Hallelujah. The reason is, whether you want to believe it or not, accept it or not, he knows everything about you. If you are truly his servant, he knows. There are some issues you can't question him about. Hallelujah. Now, David was in such a terrible mess, especially because of Saul. Now, this story, what you find here that David is talking about is, actually, if you go back to First Samuel chapter 21, you don't have time to read that, but write it down. From 11 down to, First Samuel 21, 11 down to 15, you're going to find a story. This is actually Akit or Abimelech. When David was running away from Saul, remember, he was already anointed as a king. He came to this place. He was looking for a hiding place. And this man himself, was afraid of David and really wanted to kill David. The question is, is it not the David that they were singing about that he killed a thousand and saw kill this and whatever? David heard when that discovery was going on, so he pretended to behave like a madman. And so, the man came out instead of trying to attack David. He said, man, this is a madman. Send him away. So the deliverance of David, David was saying, God, thank you for the wisdom you gave to me. You delivered me. By making me behave like a madman and I escape from the hand of the king. He will have been killed. 
So the thanksgiving David was giving him was simple wisdom that he gave to him to escape death. Are you getting what I'm talking about now? I mean, that's just it. Minor things. But you can picture the life of David, all the trouble he was going through, he went through. Yet, he was a king. Amen? So that's why he wrote this psalm, Psalm 34. I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make our boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear, therefore I'm glad. Oh, magnify the Lord and let us exalt his name. I saw the Lord and he heard me. How? Was he praying? Think about that. Delivered me from all my fear. Now, was he praying? I sought the Lord and he heard me. Think about it. But instantly, wisdom came to him and said, the only way for me to escape from the hand of this king is to behave like a madman. And he began to allow speech to fall from his mouth. And the king just came. God, get his mind out of this place. He will have just been killed. Wisdom. Hallelujah. Okay. All right. Praise continually. How many times? Continually. Hallelujah. So give thanks all times, no matter the situation. Can I hear an amen to that? Can I hear another amen to that? As I told you, praise is a hard weapon. I want you to see your business is collapsing and you are saying, praise God. How are you going to do that? Eh? Terrible things just happen to you and they say, praise God. Anybody who comes in to meet you and say, praise God, you say, this guy, you know, you are very heartless. You are a heartless man. Amen? Very heartless. That's what you're going to say. All right. Ephesians 5, verse 20. Ephesians 5, verse 20. He said, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Give it thanks always for what? Talk with me or talk to me. For, for what? For all things unto who? Unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Always for all things. In other words, we give thanks and praise God at all times, no matter what the situation. It's hard, but that's the truth. One of the things is when you tell it, when you launch into praise when situations are rough, you're conquering the enemy of unbelief, the enemy of doubt, the enemy of rejection. There are so many things that begin to happen to you. You know, even people can easily ask you the question, are you sure you're serving God right? Are you getting that? Can you see the kind of question that Job was asked in the Bible because things happened to him? Good friends, it's only these days actually you see a lot of things that Certain things happen to you and your friends come to you and they don't keep their mouth shut. They talk more than anything else. But look at the friends of Job. They went there and sat down for how many days? They couldn't alter one word because sometimes you need to think too. But they hear the hand they're talking. Say all manner of things. Like, like, sorry to say, what happened to our sister? And somebody, I was there, came in there and he said, hey, what kind of thing is this? You are supposed to train the child. The child will not train you or take care of you. Is that, is, that, is that how to condole somebody? Are you injuring the heart of the person? Or you should keep your mouth shut if you have nothing to say. You are amplifying the pains of this person in the name of condoling. So 
Sometimes when you go to some places, you just keep your mouth shut. Like Ecclesiastes, you say, when you come to church, keep your mouth shut. It's the same thing. There are some atmosphere you find people in. Shut up. Because you don't know anything. You, don't, you can't understand yet what is going on. Hallelujah. Are we still there? Okay. No, no, no. So let's go down to uh, another question. Why do we have to give praise at all times? Why do we have to give praise at all times? Not sometimes. All times. And in all situations. Why do we give praise at all times and in all situations? Let's look at Matthew 10, verse 29 to 30. Matthew 10, 29 to 30. Are we there? Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. Amen. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Hallelujah. Number one, the test as our God knows everything about you. Amen? He understands everything about you. So, when we are giving thanks at all times, not because there are no pains, but because he who owns our life and holds our life knows all things about us. Hallelujah. Huh? Okay, you go to Romans 8.28. Now, these are scriptures that sometimes look strange because you're going to find out and say, what could be the meaning of that? Romans 8.28. Remember, we're saying, why do we give thanks to the Lord at all times? Number one, he knows all things about us. Number two, Romans 8.28. I will know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the call according to his purpose. But this is hard to believe. This is hard to believe. How can a shipwreck in my life be a thing that will work out the purpose in my life? Hard to believe. Difficult to believe. All things. When my mates are up there, I'm here. All things. How can that be? Questions are questions will always be arising in your heart. Hallelujah. Now let me give you another one that you don't like. You, won't, you will never like this one. But it's there. First Thessalonians 5.18 This is the one the Lord gave to me when I was talking about. That I was talking about. First Thessalonians 5.18 like I said, the weapon of praise is very potent, but yet it is very difficult for us to receive. First Thessalonians 5.18 It 
in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Who want to believe this kind of thing? But I'm saying this is the scripture that came when people gathered around me when this thing happened to me. The Lord just simply said the first Testament 5.18. In everything give thanks. But I tell you, that is it's not easy. With the human flesh, it's not easy. With the natural way of thinking, no, that is not acceptable. How could you imagine that such a thing is God's will for me? These are the questions we'll be asking. You probably will think that must be the devil. But if all things belong to him, if he knows all things about you, then of course, he can allow certain things to happen and yet he still is going to be in his will. And even in the midst of that, all things are working together for your good. Amen? Let me, let me share something along this line so that you see what I mean. That was supposed to be my second baby that I lost after Maxwell. The one that was basically next to Maxwell was somebody I cherished so much. Young boy, I, I mean, was a boy I loved so much. But you know, then I didn't know the Lord. And uh, we asked to be going to a priest, native doctors and whatever. And they gave us a prophecy. One of the shrine and said, the Bobby is going to be this, going to be that. They asked us to bring money. We did everything. And then I traveled up to Zorode. And then the next two days or so, I was called. Baby is gone. With all the sacrifices. I didn't need anybody to talk to me. The question is, if I can do all this, even with all that the shrine said, and the baby could still die, what use is there in worshiping idol? That was the beginning of my conversion. And that is why the tomorrow I honor that guy because I feel it is through him I really get to know the Lord. I'm just being honest with you. Nobody preached to me. I just sat down and said, what is the use? If I were to be in church, I wouldn't even spend as much as I have spent in this shrine thing out of Zorode. So why is the use continuing with that kind of stuff? As I just back out. Nobody preached to me. Amen? So, when sometimes you say all things work together, you wouldn't believe how. You wouldn't know how. These things are in the hands of God. He understands everything. He knows everything about you. Praise the living God. But it's hard on us as human beings. It's hard in our natural way of thinking. But when you talk about spiritual reality, the way it works, sometimes the ways of God, they are past finding out. Hallelujah. So, it's like saying, when you should be crying, you should be singing. But how practicable that can be, that's the issue. When you ought to be crying, you should be singing. Now, if you look at David in the Bible, when he lost the child after fasting, and they finally was told the child is gone, what did he do? Went to clean up. Hmm? And then, here was Job still talking about God. I know my Redeemer lived. I know in this place shall I see him. I know, I know, I know. No matter what, even the wife will have to come, man, stop this kind of I know stuff. Call this man, let him crucify you. You're worthless. So you speak like one of those foolish women. Huh? Because the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. 
But the story of Job is a typical example. The latter end of Job was better than the beginning. He got everything twice that he lost. Is that okay? Praise the Lord. Okay. I don't want to give you the scripture. Let's go to another question. I wanted to show you something from Habakkuk, but no need. Let's go. Another question. Take maybe two more questions for tonight. What does our praise do to God? When we praise God, what does it do to him? What does our praise do to God? Psalm 22, verse number 2. Psalm 22, verse number 2. Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but I hear it not. And the night season, and I'm not silent. Not only there's no silence in me, I could cry unto you. But thou, oh, but thou art holy. Oh, that thou inhabit as the praises of Israel. Our father trusted in thee. They trusted and that delivers them. Now I want you to compare those two things that is written before us. I keep crying unto you. Okay? Even in the deep night, I keep crying. You know what? It's like saying things are bad and I'm crying unto you, but I don't seem to find you. But the next thing he said, but thou art holy. You know the word? It's like the silence of God was like an evil thing. But I just realized you are a holy God. And I know the best way to contact you or to get to your habitation is to praise you. Because thou inhabitest what? The praises of Israel. So if only instead of crying in the night, I praise you, you will definitely respond. So sometimes... And all the time, if you will, instead of, instead of crying in the depth of the night, instead of not sleeping one bit, what is the Bible recommending here? Giving praise. Amen? David went through that. He said, look at that. Oh my God, I cried in the daytime, but I hear it's none. And in the night season, I'm not even silent. Day and night, he was crying. And he's like saying there was no answer. But I remember you have the praise of Israel. Let me praise you this time. Now that my tears cannot bring you closer. Are you still there together? Now that all that I've tried to do in the day. Maybe people have joined me to more. Yet you are not there. In the night I woke up myself. I keep crying. I just need the presence of God. But God is not coming. Okay. Now that you won't come through all of this, I know what to do to get you. I'll praise you. Hallelujah. Are you sitting there with us? I'll praise you. So, but the thou art holy. You see, if you look at that scripture, it tells you something. It's like saying, just like I said before, I don't imagine that you could have evil in your heart against me. But you're not responding when it looks like an evil. Are you sitting there? How can you cry in the day? God is not answering. You cry in the night. It's not there. This looks like wickedness. Say, but no, I remember you are a holy God. In other words, there is no evil in you. Therefore, I can only change my method of approaching you to get your attention. 
I remember you inhabit the praise of Israel. So if I start praising you, you will show up. Let me, let me get off my tears. Let me stop the night thing. Let me start another approach to get your attention. And that is to do what? To praise you. And when I begin to praise you, you will come down. There we go, the secret. Amen? So sometimes our tears doesn't really, really solve the problem. Huh? Praise the Lord. And you look at it and you say, our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted and that delivers them. You know the word. All we need is giving praise because of who he is. Like we learned in the beginning. His goodness and his mighty acts. You trust in what he can do. Give him praise. He shows up. He happy the praise of Israel. He happy the praise of his people. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn to Psalm 50. Got some five minutes more. Are we true for tonight? Start off again next week. Psalm 50. I'll look at 22. And 23, then we're going to get to Hebrew, Romans 4. Now consider this. Psalm 50, verse 22. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Now remember, God is, say, God is speaking. Whoso offered praise glorified me. Can I hear any man to that? And to him that ordered his conversation right, or aright, will I show the salvation of God. See what David was saying before now. I cried. In the day, in the night. Are you getting that? You were not there. I remember you are a holy God. And that you have any praise of your people. And the next thing is, now consider this. God is speaking. Yet that forget God. What is he saying? Yet that think that I can't do what I have said I can do. Or that I don't know things about you that I can do the things that are right. Lest I tear you to pieces. And there will be no one to deliver. It's like God is angry because... You are bombarding him with all your requests and all that. You don't give him what is due him, which is praise and honor. And he said the next thing. For you to glorify me is to do what? Is to offer what? Praise. And to him that address his conversation aright, will I show what? The salvation of God. Did you get that? So sometimes God can be angry with us. When situation comes, and then we... We fall into tears, we fall into crying and all of that. It's like saying, you are, you are trying to tell God he's not capable of who he said he is. I, I still want to read the scripture. Verse 22, are you there with me, Psalm 50? Now consider this, ye that forget God. How do you forget God? Because you have concluded that God is not in the situation. It's just like David was crying and crying in the day and the night. Is that okay? You don't forget. Lest I tear you in pieces and there will be none to deliver. Now, it was not the devil that was going to tear and it is God himself. And I said, whoso offered praises glorified me. In other words, stop these tears and give me praise. And see what I'm going to do. Hallelujah. He said, when you when you give me praise and you order your conversation aright, I will show you what? The salvation of God. In other words, you want deliverance? 
Give me praise. Glorify me. And I will come down and I will show you salvation. Okay, let's read the scripture and maybe I'm just going to use this to prove what I've just said in Psalm 50. Can we look at some Romans 4? Romans 4. I'm reading from 13 about Father Abraham in relation to Psalm 50, verse 22 to 23. Romans 4. Amen. Are we there, Romans 4? For the promise. Are we there together? For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrought. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickened the dead and called to those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to what, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Now verse 19. And be not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20. He staggered not at the promise of God. Through unbelief. But was strong in faith. Doing what? Giving glory to God. He that prays me glorifies me. Amen. Yeah, the Bible is saying Abraham was hoping against hope. In other words, natural circumstance proved that he can no longer have a baby. But the Bible said he considered not his own weakness, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. And so, in the midst of that, he was giving praise. To God and God showed up with Isaac. Hallelujah. Because you see, God could give you a promise. How many of you think about this? There was a promise that lasted for 25 years before it manifested. For some of us, we should definitely have forgotten about that. I mean, we should just conclude God just wanted to tease us. How could God speak one word for 25 years? It has not manifested. The next question is, did you really hear well? Are you sure God spoke? Amen? Now, remember one of the things that Abraham was able to conquer was what unbelief in this circumstance. And that's one of the things that said you need your weapons of war to do to be able to overcome what the enemy of what? Unbelief and doubt. So here the Bible is telling us that 
Abraham, as far as the natural situation, medically is concerned, he was dead. Hallelujah. As far as the issue of Sarah was concerned, it's a forgotten issue. Pass menopause, pass anything you want to. In fact, times two. But I like this story here. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Now, I want you to know what the word staggered mean. What does it mean to stagger? A drunken man who has no stability. It means unbeliefs make you to walk in an unstable manner even before God. But here we find that Abraham did not stagger. He was stable. He was strong. He was focused. He was courageous. He believed still that the God who said this will bring it to pass. And that belief alone lasted for how many years? 25 good years. Hallelujah. He was strong in faith, giving glory to God. It's like every day he says, I know the seed will come. I know the seed will come. I remember something happened to one of my pastor friends. They got married for about three years and nothing was happening. And one day, the pastor called the wife and said, come. They've gone through a lot of deliverance, a lot of, I know about four years, deliverance and amazing. I mean, the house of series of it. The wife himself, if I accepted to go through deliverance, the heart of a pastor. They did all of that. Nothing was happening. And one day, just woke up in the morning, called the wife, I said, Come here. Now, I want to talk to myself. You talk to yourself right here. And I want to let myself know I'm strong enough to give you a baby. And you have to accept and say to yourself that your womb is strong enough to carry the baby. And both of their hands that they spoke to themselves, their first child came out. Strong faith. Strong faith. Stagger not at faith, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Hallelujah. I just want to say tonight, the weapon of praise is such a powerful weapon that glorifies God. And it's for the honor of the saints to execute judgment upon all enemies of unbelief, of doubt, of oppression, of depression, of sorrow, of obsession. The weapon of praise can enable you to conquer all. If you tried crying in the day, God didn't come through. You were crying in the night, God is still far away. Remember, God is holy, but he have the praise of his people. God bless you.